Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Friendship Baptist calls me Baptimus Prime. Optimus Prime for you kids. Baptimus Prime. I'm telling you now. And now because I got an honorary doc, they call me Dr. Baptimus Prime. So anyways, it's good to be here this morning. This is my church. This is where I come to church. This is where we chose. And uh, we have been blessed here. We're thankful for that. I love your pastor very, very much. Uh, um, he's just, uh, he's a man of wisdom, I think, and, uh, and of insight and helps. His messages help me. I hope they're helping you. They should. If they're not, you better see somebody <laughs> quickly because, uh, because he uses the word of God very eloquently, and, and uh, we have been helped through it. Um, I preached or this morning. I talked about the will of God in, in and everybody wants to know what the will of God is for their life. So I started the first part of it this morning. Uh, you need to come back at 5 o'clock to hear the second part of it. And then you can catch the first part of it uh, through, I, I would assume, through Facebook or whatever that, that message live. And you'll see how it comes together uh, for making decisions in life. So we love you all. We thank you for every opportunity we have to stand behind the pulpit. This is the sacred desk to me. Right? That's his sacred desk. Now soon it will be somebody else's sacred desk. But I just am always appreciative to be able to stand behind uh, somebody that's been uh, in the desk of somebody that's been preaching behind this desk for 30, 36, 7 years or whatever it is. And that's, a real, uh, that's a real honor. Um, and I, I've been thinking about what the church is going to have to go through in these, in these weeks ahead as far as, you know, trying to find somebody and fill the pulpit and all that stuff. And it's, it's not an easy time. I, I don't want to in any way try to downplay it. It's, uh, uh, I thought uh, Pastor Pete's message a couple of weeks ago, the Sunday school message uh, was absolutely wonderful. Um, how we get through it and uh, we get to the expected end. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, preach to you actually about the expected end. What does God expect from us? Because we don't know what exactly what's going to happen from one day to the next. We really don't. Uh, we, have to, we have to trust God by faith, don't we? Amen. We have to go every day by faith, wake up and say, I'm alive, so i got another day to serve you, and I want to serve you the best I can and be the most fruitful I can be for you today uh, in whatever area you ask me to go or, or, or whatever you ask me to say or who, who to meet or whatever. That's the way I try to live my life. I just look at every opportunity as a, as a fruitful expectation that maybe I could help somebody today. Um, I have a list of things that I try to live by, and I'll go over them sometime when I'm here again, but uh, that I think are important for us to, to live by, to help us to be as fruitful to God as possible, because we know that's what bring, brings him great pleasure. But I would like you to open up your Bible to Jeremiah 29. Now, this is a familiar passage, but I want to give you some insight on it today, if I can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, and uh, if I can set myself aside here for a moment and allow him to speak. I think you'll, you'll see some very important truths here. Um, it's Jeremiah 39, 29, and I'd like you to stand uh, for the reading, if you can. If you can't, that's fine. 
I'm still praise God sitting or kneeling or laying down, but I just, if you can, stand for the reading of the Word of God, because I think this is, sometimes I think when we stand, we take a little, uh, it kind of registers and, and you know, involves some of those five senses that we have. All right, verse, uh, I'm going to start with uh, verse, verse 1, but we're going to focus uh, a little bit more on 10 through 14 or 15. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives and to the priests and to the prophets and to all the people from Nebuchadnezzar had that whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. And after that, Je Je Jeconiah the king and the queen and the eunuchs and the princes of Judah and Je Jerusalem and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem. By the hand of, I think this is, Pastor, help me on this, is it, is Elas, Elasa, the son of Shaphan, of, and uh, Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, the king of Judah, sent unto Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, okay, now that I got through all of that, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captive, now catch this, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem in, unto Babylon. And this, I've I, I got to tell you, as, as we read this, I want you to focus close attention on what he says here. They're carried away captive. It means they've done some things wrong, and they're carried away captive. And then he says this, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all them that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build ye houses, and dwell in them, plant gardens, eat the fruit of them, take ye wives, and begat sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to, your, to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there, and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace." Boy, every time I read that, it just uh, it really brings me a conviction. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners uh, that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams, which ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Now here's the key. Now listen to this. For thus saith the Lord, that after serving, uh, after, excuse me, after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you, then shall you call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Father, thank you for your word. Forgive me, Lord, for not reading it. Uh, my eyesight is a little off today. I thank you, Lord, for not... Uh, holding that against me. I thank you for allowing me to preach in this pulpit. I thank you for your presence here. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your 
reaching into our hearts today to teach us and guide us and uh, take us to a, a new awareness of something we need to be aware of. So, Father, I thank you for everything you're going to do today, and we thank you because of Jesus Christ, and we thank you for his blood that washed us clean, set us apart unto himself, and we trust, Lord, that this will exalt his name today, we, that it will lift up his name, give you glory, all for, all for the, the good of your people, and we'll thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That's an amazing statement in Scripture. Uh, this was the message God gave to them, that he had sent them into captivity in Babylon, and he told them this after he had told them to settle in right there at Babylon. It's amazing. It took, took them, they took, were sent into captivity, and then right there in captivity, he told them to settle in there at Babylon, which is unusual, I think, uh, to say the least, in the Bible be put there he said build your homes build your families live there in peace and prosperity there you won't be going back home for a very long time in essence what God was doing was this he was comforting them through the captivity that he himself was sending them into now that's I, I think about that and I think thought about my life in the last two and a half years so it's almost like he told us that, I'm sending you away for a while, I'm taking you out of your comfort zone, but I want you to be fruitful and productive where you're at, because one day I'm going to bring you back, and I'm going to put you where I want to put you, or use you the way I want, way I want to use you. So he said, build your homes and families, and just live there, and, and, live for, and live in peace. So his ultimate intention for them was for good and not for evil. Uh, he wanted them not to panic while they're in that part of their life. Because it was going to be some years that they were going to be in there, in that captivity. He wanted them not to panic. And it may sometimes look bad, but i got to reassure you that his plan for his people is always for good. It always is. They were to live expecting the end result. That's the way they were to live in captivity, expecting the end result, the end that he had promised them. But what was the expected end? They were to live for that expected end as if they had already arrived there. You, you know, our expected end is going to be in heaven, amen? That's where we're going to be. And we're supposed to be living here like we've already arrived there. That's how we're supposed to be living here, like we've already, we're already there. So, but what was it? Well, the context of this passage is insightful. Let this sink in. The ultimate fulfillment is yet to come when Christ returns. But the fulfillment of that hope of his coming ultimately can be yours to live in right now. I think we have forgotten that. We live in a very unbiblical society right now. And I think we can quickly forget that. That we can still live in this, it's, this is a form of captivity, we can still live in this captivity like we're living in the expected end like we're living in the fulfillment of the hope that we're living for when we're going to be with Jesus in heaven. So are we living in the expected end? Ask yourself that. Are you living in the expected end? What is the expected end God has re was referring to? Well, if you want to do some study, some, uh, some would say he's referring to their coming release from captivity. 
Others would say he's referring to their coming return to their homeland. And still others would say he's referring to their coming peace. I mean, every commentary, you can read them all, they've all got different opinions on this. They're, these are all true, though, and they are all good answers, but I don't think they're what God is referring to in this context. And I want to share that with you this morning. I believe it's far more enduring and expansive than that. Let me ask, let me ask it this way. What do you think is the expected end God wants for you? Have you let that sink in for a minute and let it resonate in your mind and heart? What is your expected? What's the expected end for this church? Uh, what's the expected end for Pastor Horn and his family, or for me and my family? You know, what does God? Ex- you know, what does He want us to look forward to, or what is He hoping that we'll get in our minds and hearts? What I'm about to show you is what I believe God was trying to show Israel. And I wrote it down, and I wrote down what I believe are are the seven components of the expected end that God wants for all his people. And I really believe this all in my heart. This is what he wants. Um, This morning I talked about the will of God and how the will of God is, you know, it's hard to understand. There's a direct will of God. We know what that is. The decreed will of God. We don't know what that is until the hindsight and I got another one, I'm, I don't want to tell you, I keep the curiosity up, so I'm going to come back this afternoon. And, and then we'll go into that, and the, you know, the, 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 the desire of God's heart. But they're all found in the context of these scriptures, and, their compon- and, and these components uh, picture the expectations of God. I really do believe that, and that he wants for his children, and that would be for every one of us. So I want to give them to you. You okay with that? Here's the first one. It's the place where God's faithfulness makes your hope sure. Does everybody understand that God is faithful? And he's going to remain faithful even if you don't. Uh, God made clear to his discouraged people that Though their stay in Babylon would be, would not be short, I should say, they could still live with that hope. Um, he, he would someday restore them to the land, but it wasn't going to happen right away. And I don't know who might be here today that hasn't, has lost a lot of hope because, uh, because of the situation or what they're living in. But he didn't want them to lose hope while waiting as he had to do what he had to do. It was going to take him some time to get them there. Uh, But it didn't change the parameters of his faithfulness. They could live in, uh, in with with just as much, in there in Babylon, with just as much hope as they did in their homeland. He told them, "You're, you're not going to fix this, you're not going to rush this, because this thing is for me. But you can find comfort in knowing I am in control of this. You can find comfort just in that because I'm faithful. Just as you did when you were in Israel. So sometimes in life there will be, there's going to be no immediate cure. You're going to have to live through some sickness, right? Uh, There's going to be no immediate change. You're just going to have to go through it. 
there's going to be no instant correction. <laughs> it's going to take a while. But you can still live right where you're at, wherever that is, with whatever you have to face in the conquering power of Jesus Christ. There's just some things you can't change, you can't cure, uh, you can't you know, put it aside. You, you have to go through it. But God says if you'll live according to his faithfulness, there is an expected end coming. And sometimes God says, I have to close some doors to you for a little while until I accomplish, well, until I accomplish what I need to accomplish in you. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. So you are close to the expected end when your belief system, now listen to me, overrules your negative, doubtful, fearful, hopeless, and unbelieving thoughts. That's when you're in its expected end. Let me repeat that. You're close when, to the expected end when your belief system right, overrules your fleshly negativity. You're doubtful, hopeless, and unbelieving thoughts. 1 Peter 4, 19 says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. I mean, in other words, I can put my soul right into God's hands and I can just trust him to be faithful to it as to a faithful creator. He, we can always live in the assurance of his promises. We always have to remember that. We can always live in the assurance of his promises. This, uh, this uh, because Pastor Horn is leaving this church, it's just a new beginning, right? But it's going to be the same living experience if you're living in the expected end right now as we will be six, seven months down the road. So God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the Son of Man, that he should repent. Hath he said, shall he not do it? Yeah, I guess, amen. Hath he spoken, shall he not make it good? Yes, he will. Because he's got everyone is in the picture of the puzzle, and, he's got every, and everyone is under his concern and care. So we just have to live that way, by his faithfulness. Now here's the second thing. It's the place where God's peace surpasses your understanding. Um, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Be careful for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Here's what God was doing. He was making it clear to his discouraged people that though they would not understand at all what he was doing, or why he was doing it the way he was doing it, they could still have peace while waiting for him by simply trusting him. That's all. I mean, these are some kind of basic truths, aren't they? But they're all found here. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. How many of, the, of you here, that's your favorite verse? I can't tell you how many times I've, I've uh, been at a funeral where somebody would say, that was her favorite verse, or that was his favorite verse, right? 
because they had learned something through life <laughs> to get to that expected end, that the, in order to get through life, they were going to have to trust the Lord with all their heart. They could not lean on their own understanding. And in all their ways, they had to acknowledge him. And he directed their paths. You know, you look back, and you can see how God orchestrates the whole thing, directing your path the way he needs to direct you to get you to make the right decisions in life and to get you to follow him. There is much to be troubled about in this world right now that we live in. And, and it's hard to understand it all. To be honest with you, I, I don't know. I, I'm an emotional type guy, and I cry a lot over what's going on in America right now. And over our state, too, in New York State. In fact, so much so that I had a dream the other night, uh, remember Lot's wife, and just get out. Um, you know, and sometimes God calls somebody out. Sometimes uh, God doesn't, and he leaves you in the jaws of a lion to help you to understand uh, his need for you to be there. But there's so much trouble in the world right now, and it's the immoral behavior right now. It's just, uh, I, what they're doing to kids today is just, but God makes it very clear you can still have all of him and still live with his peace within you right where you are right now. For he, Jesus, is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall parti partition between us. He was reassuring them that their lives would still be prosperous, that their lives could still be productive even in the midst of the crisis or the captivity they were in if they would just put their trust into him and continue to trust him in all that time of waiting and, and through all the stuff that they're going to have to go through just like they did when they were in their homeland. That's what he was teaching them. Here's the third thing. It's the place where God's joy always fills your heart and mind. How many would say here today, I'm a joyful person? Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. How many would be honest and say, I don't know, I, I'm just not happy. Anybody would do that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, right? We should be the happiest people on planet Earth just for the mere fact that God saved us. If there wasn't any other thing, if I were to die this moment, I'm a sick man right now. If I were to die this moment, I have the most blessed. I'm the most blessed man on planet, planet Earth. I have I have gotten things that I never thought I would receive. Uh, I got a family that that is unbelievably uh, a blessing to me, and and uh, I have people that I've learned to know better and grow with in my life. And think about all the things that God has done for me. But even if I didn't live one more second, just the fact that he saved me is enough to be joyful for in life. And I want to try in my life to portray that joy, although my wife knows the real me. <laughs> Implied in this passage was God telling them to enjoy their lives. There's nothing wrong with telling you to enjoy your lives. While they were in captivity, enjoy your life. I remember when God spoke to me on this truth, it was a revelation to me. You know, James said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. All of what was happening to them could not have made sense to them. 
just like with you in your life. Some things just don't make sense, but that in no way suggests there was no sense to it and that you can enjoy it while you're going through it. You know, God was asking them to wait a long time, but what God implied is he wanted them to enjoy themselves through their journey. Uh, has God ever asked you to do something or give him something that you thought you didn't have or couldn't do? I think we all have. And God never asked you to do something or give something or go somewhere that he hasn't already given you right where you're at. That's the way he works. You may be moving to a new location, but you still have his presence with you right where you're at, wherever you're at. So I find this amazing. In their wait, God was urging them to build their homes. In captivity, build your homes, he says. Birth your families. Go on with enjoying the blessings of God right where you're at, just as if uh, they were still in their homeland enjoying the blessings there. In other words, nothing changes. Uh, we must remember God always does things for the joy that is set before him. Always. And you're the joy that is set before him. Uh, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So uh, here it is. Wherever God puts us, whatever he puts us through, and however long he feels we need to go through it, we are supposed to find our joy in him. Not in the outcome of the situation, just in him. We just find our joy in him, trusting him and the fact that he's doing it for our joy. So that we can enjoy our life wherever we're at, in him. That's the result. So until he gets us to the expected end, he wants us to live with the expected end in our hearts, full of joy. It may seem like the end is a long time away or deliverance is a long time coming, but God never drops the ball. I remember in football, we were playing uh, a team and uh, we needed a touchdown to win and I was a flanker and I was fast and, uh, and it's, this still bothers me to this day. Uh, they called a play where I was to go long and they're gonna throw the bomb to me and I was gonna catch it, I was gonna get the touchdown, we were gonna win the game, that was the whole idea. Uh, and I was a nervous wreck. The ball was hiked, I went straight down the sideline, cut across the field, and they threw the pass. The ball came, he threw it perfectly, came right in my arms, and guess what? I dropped it. I've never forgotten that, as long as I live. In fact, that, that stigma has been with me from my high school uh, sports buddies. But did you know that God never drops the ball? Never. He's always in control. I must remind us there is no uh, true eternal joy in any place, anywhere, at any time without the presence of Jesus Christ. Um, so no matter where you are, whatever your situation you're facing, your joy can be full. And it can be full with the presence of Christ right where you're at. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? I think about it often when he comes, whether it's by death or by rapture, I don't know what it would be, but one of my favorite pictures in my office that's packed away now is this God uh, greeting with his arms open and just hugging you as you come in. He does that personally. Doesn't send somebody else. I'm going to be there, he says. I'm going to be the one to greet you in there. <laughs>
Here's number four. It's the place where God's love covers all your faults and failures. It's a place where God's love covers all your faults and failures. It's obvious here Israel was being disciplined, but it's also clear here that God was trying to convey to them through Jeremiah what he was doing to them was all because he loved them. Our God is a loving God. I don't have to tell you that. I don't have to preach a message on that. You only have to be saved for a short period of time and know how loving he is. Correction, now hear me out on this. Correction from God never settles well with us, even though it may be best for us, but it never settles well. It may not have seemed like he loved them when he sent them into captivity, but it was uh, through the captivity that he was actually showing them that he loved them. Um, I learned this years ago. Sometimes God takes us to a place of no help to bring us to the place where we will want help from him and him only. And the reason why is he knows he's the only one that can help us. Sometimes we lose sight of that because we're very independent. Uh, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he corrects. I probably shouldn't say this, but I remember, uh, I know, I, I tell people, if you say you probably shouldn't say this, you shouldn't say this, but <laughs> I, my father would be all right with it. <laughs> I, I remember one time I was sitting at the dinner table, and uh, he, uh, he said uh, he was eating with his left, left hand eating, and I was over here on the right, and he said, um, you shouldn't do this or something to that effect. And I said to him, what would you know about it? I was 16 years old. I said, what would you know about it? I mean, without missing a beat, with the back part of his fist, smacked me in the head. Down, I went backwards over the chair on the ground. And I got back up. I didn't say a word. Finished eating, left the table. I want to tell you something. And I'm not suggesting anybody do that, all right? Um, but about 10 years ago, I was down seeing him in Florida, and I could tell he was, he was bothered by something. And he says, I need to talk to you, son. And I go, what about, Dad? And he goes, um, do you remember that day when you were sarcastic to me, and I backhanded you and knocked you over the chair backwards. And I says, it's kind of hard to forget, Dad. You know? He goes, I'm sorry. That was the wrong thing to do. He says, I didn't control my temper, and I should have never done that. Here was my answer. Dad, did I ever talk back to you again? And he said, no. I said, then what's the problem? I mean, sometimes we look at things the wrong way, don't we? That taught me a big lesson about controlling my tongue back then. Maybe you wouldn't do that today the way that he did that then, but God uses all things for good. And he used that moment to teach me something about how I am to respond to people. So they may have felt God was hurting them, but he was actually helping them. If his love can't cover everything, it can't be trusted to cover anything. 
so Romans 8, 20, uh, 37 says, Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. See, we live in a cursed world. In a sense, we are now in captivity. But we can live anywhere in the freedom of that love. I enjoy every one of my days that I have. Uh, they may not be easy because of the sickness and the traveling and all that stuff, but I just know that every day I wake up, there's a God who looks at me waking up and says, boy, I love that boy. I just love him. Here's number five. It's the place where God's promises conquers all your doubts and fears. That's the expected end that God is expecting from them and from you. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, from the day you got saved, even before that, but from the day you got saved, he has made a promise to you and he's not going to give up on that promise. He's going he's to perform it. I cannot imagine what these Jews were thinking when God told them this. Uh, when God told them this all is going to work out, don't worry, it's going to work out for my glory and your good, it must have seemed like a fairy tale. In fact, he talked about if it was a dream, you know. Yeah, they didn't know what to believe, I think, at that point. They only could, uh, the, the only way they could overcome their doubts while waiting in bondage was to be persuaded in their minds of better things to come. I always live that way. I just think there's better things coming. Um, not so much in what the world's doing, but what God is doing with us. God promises are the only promises we can trust for better things to come. Uh, Hebrews 6, 9 through 11 says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed towards his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of the hope unto the end. I pray that for your pastor right now. Do you know how hard it, it is for a pastor who has been in a church for almost 40 years, loving people, building relationships, and seeing it grow, and being a part of life and death, marriages, and, and unfortunately divorces, and all those things that, that he has tended to us all life, to be able... You know how hard it is to, be, to, to say that I am now moving on? It, it's hard. I can tell you that firsthand. You need to pray for him and his family. But I pray, right, that all of his work would be rewarded in a big way wherever he goes, right? For God is not unrighteous to forget his work and labor of love. Six, we're almost through. It's the place where God's word gives confidence to your faith. You know, God wants you to trust his word. He wants you to take that Bible, just like I talked about this morning. He wants you to get in it, stay in it, and trust it. Believe him for what he said. And that point, that expected end comes when your word just, that word gives you confidence in your faith around the clock. I was sharing this morning. I get three. I'm three hours in the morning with the Lord. An hour through prayer, an hour through study, an hour through meditation. I mean, I just I just go over a list, a litany of things that I have. I have a book this big that's all the prayers and people and churches that I pray for and I, pastors that I care about and family members. I I just go through all of that 
I, I, I read the word of God, allow God to speak to my own heart, and then meditate on it. I mean, I just kind of chew it for a while and let God speak to my heart in a way that only he can do. And that word gives me confidence when I do that. The false prophets were lying to them. They could not trust in anything they said. The only words you could trust is God's words. The world and all of its words cannot be trusted. Can I repeat that? The world and all of its words cannot be trusted. We hold the truth in our hands. The Bible is the sole authority for faith and practice. It's the only thing we can trust in this sinful world. Psalm 119, 89 says, Forever thy word, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119.10, just referring to some of the verses I used this morning. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119.160, thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. While living there, here, we're always going to be bombarded with the world's ideologies. They're vying for our attention that will tempt us to believe the lies of Satan. The Bible we hold in our hands frees us from all of those lies. I mean, look what's going on with this gender stuff right now. Some of the biggest, one of the biggest lies is evolution. We bit into that hook, line, and sinker. So much so we put it right into our school systems. Dinosaurs. Amazing. I heard a, co a comedy a comedian trying to back uh, back up evolution and say, I got one word that proves it, dinosaur. I said, you, this guy's got to be a moron. I, that word dinosaur didn't come about, I don't know, something like the 1800s or something like that. It's amazing. And he's going, dinosaur. Listen, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free from all of those lies. The pro false prophets of the, the, that day are no different than the false prophets of today. Here's what they do. They feed us with lies, giving us false hopes, promising us blessings if we will just follow his direction. They, they told them their, their, cav their captivity would be sure. Oh, I, I, how many times have I heard that from somebody? Oh, well, God's putting you through this, but it won't be long. He'll get there. It's been two and a half years. And I don't know how much longer i got to go through it, but, but certainly God wouldn't want you to suffer for very long, right? Doesn't that sound, sound familiar? I call them the foolish counselors of Job. This is the doctrine of those like Kenneth Copeland, Joel Osteen, and all those like him, them. Right? God wants you to have everything. He doesn't want you to suffer. He wants you to just, don't worry, if you're going through a little bit, you'll be through it soon. Just, just got to have faith. Send me a couple hundred dollars and I'll pray for you. If that's all you got to do, send me a couple hundred dollars, everybody, would you? I'll pray for you. <laughs> you know, fake news is nothing new. It's nothing new and news is not the only thing that is fake. I've learned that that even well-intended people can give you bad advice. So our flesh, feelings, fears gives us a desire and a willingness to listen to the bad advice in order to eliminate any suffering or discomfort we are in. 
but it's all Satan's trap. Our only hope is Jesus Christ and his word. Um, Jesus told us that in John. He said, John 16, 33, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In me, in the world, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So what's he expected in? It's a place where God's faithfulness makes your hope sure. It's the place where God's peace surpasses your understanding. It's the place where God's joy always fills your heart and mind. It's the place where God's love covers all your faults and failures. And it's the place where God's promises conquers all your doubts and fears. And it's the place where God's word gives the confidence to your faith. And here's the last thing we're through. It's the place where God's praise always flows from our lips. It just always flows from our lips. I got saved in 1986, and there's not a day that goes by in my heart that I don't praise God for it. I could tell you the details, but they're not necessary. Just know that God saved this man, changed him. Picked his feet out of the miry clay and set him on solid ground. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. God wanted them to know they could still praise him and thank him through all of it. This would not be the end of them. This was going to be a new beginning. It was just coming to them a little later. They just had to believe him and look for it. To watch for it. That's why God tells us to watch. right? Because one day he's coming back. If we have that mentality and watching, we're going to be, we're going to be working knowing that he's coming back. When he returns and takes them back to their homeland, they would be praising him, and God knew that. So why not just praise him now? Why not just praise him now for all the promises he's made and will complete? When you, here it is, when you become fully persuaded in God's promise, you begin to praise him. You begin to praise him for everything, good and the bad. All they had to do was just trust him and the purposes that he had for them. And I believe in the simplest form, your expected end means this. It means coming to the end of yourself and becoming fully surrendered to Jesus Christ and his promises. I really believe that's all it means. It's just coming to the end of yourself and then being fully persuaded and surrendered to Jesus Christ and his promises. When you have truly and totally given everything over to Jesus Christ, including yourself, you have reached the expected end God wants for you. And that's the beginning of eternal praise. So when Jesus becomes your everything and your only thing, you won't need anything anymore. <laughs> that's the expected end that God wants for you. And I believe this is what Habakkuk was talking about. Do you ever, do you ever look at Habakkuk 3? 17 through 18, I call it the greatest one-sentence sermon. Here it is, and we close. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive tree shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat, the flocks shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. This is what I call living in the yet. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. 
The truth is it's only when you give your life to Jesus Christ that he can bring you to your expected end. And it is the most peaceful place on this sin-cursed earth. It really is. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on because he trusteth in thee. And I would want with all my heart anybody within my voice with while I still have voice is to be in that place. God wants you to be in that place. And you can be in that place today. So I invite you if you haven't already, to call out to Jesus. Accept his invitation to be saved. Repent from your sins. You know you're a sinner. I don't have to tell you that. The Bible doesn't have to tell you that. Just one sin makes you a sinner. If you've made one false claim, you're a sinner. If you're angry for a reason that didn't have any legitimacy, you're a sinner. If you'll sincerely pray to God, repent of your sin, and ask Jesus to save you, I promise you he would save you. And that would be the greatest expected end that you could possibly have. And with that said, if there's anyone here that is unsaved, this would be the day to give your life to Christ right now. Because you know from this message that he's in control of everything. And he's brought you before my voice, he brings you before other churches, their voices, their pastor's voice is to hear that message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for the rest of us, think about that for a saved. When God speaks and the spirit moves, uh, the convicted heart yearns for God to do something or to say something. That's exactly what God is looking for. I, I can tell you uh, many times I have preached and I thought, man, that's not too bad of a message. And I think that'll, that'll preach. That'll be a good message. And I preached the message, and it looked like deer in the headlights. And then all of a sudden, you see the fruit start to come in afterwards later when you hear people think, I remember what you said up there. Or how about this one? You preach a message, and, it, and somebody comes up to you. What you just said just changed my life. And I say, how did that happen? They tell you, and it had nothing to do with the message. Why? Because God has an expected end, and he's going to use whatever he has to use to bring you to that point where you fully trust him and give your life to him. And he'll change it forever, I promise you. I'm going to let Pastor take over the invitation, but I trust that if there's anyone here today that you wouldn't leave this place before you give your life to Jesus Christ. And I trust if there's anyone here today, because I know most of you now, I'm working on names. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.